0: Welcome to the Inspirations News Podcast, sponsored by Quebec's only newspaper devoted exclusively to the news of the special needs community. Tune in regularly to hear uplifting success stories, learn about resources, and gain timely advice in the area of special needs, featuring experts in various fields. Here's your host, your host Mark Bergman. This episode, powered by Marathon Soufflackey, recognizing the importance of acceptance, inclusion, and diversity. Established in 1979, Club de Hockey sonar Les Ibus de Montréal is a recognized leader in team sports for the visually handicapped, from low vision to totally blind. A blind hockey team. Unbelievable. And joining me now to chat about Les Ibus is François Beauregard, as well as Bruno Hachet. They're both playing for the team. Uh, guys, thanks for joining us on the podcast.
1: Hi, Mark. How
0: are you? A blind hockey hockey team what are people's first reactions when you say
1: when when you say blind hockey people generally are are disbelieving because they they think we're stupid penguins and we're gonna be like pinballs we're not it's actually it is like a regular hockey game except that we have a special puck which is larger noisier and and slower than a regular hockey puck because it's a uh, metal casing made of steel Uh, it's about twice the size of a regular hockey puck and there's eight ball bearings in there. So it, it, when it rattles, it makes a lot of noise. But besides that, it's a regular game with offsides and penalties and uh, um, uh, refs and all things. The, the, on, the only other difference, really, there are a couple of them. The goals are three feet high instead of four. Uh, this way, the goalie has a little bit less of, to be concerned about eye shots because the puck doesn't make noise in the air. Yeah. Secondly, the attacking team needs to complete a pass when they cross the blue line and, and go on the attack. Because this way the, the defense war generally have less vision than, than, than the forwards and the goalies who are totally blind can track the movement of the offensive coming on them. So it's
0: like hockey with no breakaways. You were telling me the goalies are totally blind as opposed to, so the goalies have to be more visually impaired than the other players. Well, uh, uh, historically,
1: the more visually impaired players have less mobility, so they started to play goalie and generally people with a a bit more vision will play defense, a bit more vision will play forward. But now to make things really even, uh, goalies have to wear a blindfold anyway. So if they have a, a, a smitten of residual vision,
2: well, they lose it.
0: Bruno Hachet is a member of the team. You also play on the national Canadian team, right? Eh?
2: And uh, I play goalball too on national team, but it's complicated to play uh, two, two uh, team of national. Right. So I quit hockey, but I still play on Monday and, and try to uh, keep the momentum on the hockey.
0: Bruno, what are people's reaction when you when you tell them that you play for the blind hockey team? Uh, the people react always, is, is the real hockey, is the same thing? Yes,
2: all all the same, except we have the uh, adapt puck. Sure. And, tell me about know, the first
0: time you joined the team, when you joined the team, and what made you join the Hibu?
2: The first time I met the team, it's at 19 years old. I lost my vision at 18, and I stopped doing sport and i say it's done and i could play and i hear about the e montreal and i say yeah it can be fun i play all my years i play hockey so it's it's kind of when i start to play i say oh my god that's (laughs) fast and they good and wow that's gonna be fun to be in shape and compete with them and that's the fun part but tell me what happened the first time you stepped on the ice visually impaired the first time I play like before, but I'm not in shape. So the first period I'm done, and they say <laughs> it's four period, and mm-hmm. I, it's look like they are 40 years old, and I'm uh, eight, 19, and it's wow, it's uh, in
0: yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> Francois, is, is it hard to recruit people to play?
1: Uh, in a way, it is because uh, the the people with visual disabilities are are not are, are scattered, right? Uh, so we have to contact them through either CNIB, uh, Montreal Blind Association, MAB. It, it, we need to, to actually to, the word to be out there. Obviously, it's not
0: all visually impaired people who are interested to skate and play hockey. So Sure. It, but, it's, but a lot of them have to be intimidated, right? When you ask them, them to play.
1: First, well, we don't ask them and say, if you want to try, try. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the person who with, with the, the most, is the, the most important person on a given Monday night, is the rookie is the person for whom it's the first game uh and we want to make sure to give that because it could, men, men and women can have enough space and time and play and get adapted so we give them you know room and
0: leeway at the beginning but well, what's uh, it like what's it can like even
1: lend them an hockey equipment because they might not want to invest in that right away
0: What does it feel like? What's it like? What's the experience like when somebody for the first time, a visually impaired person, steps on the ice?
1: Well, obviously they're terribly nervous. Uh, And we have to make sure that they have enough skating skills and that they can actually be part of the game. Sometimes people wanted to join us, but they had no skating skills sufficient. So it became dangerous for both them and us. So really it's to get them to, you're going to make mistakes. If you played before and you just recently lost your vision, you have to, to, to accept that it will not be the same as before, but as you get the feel of it, it's gonna end up being just as
0: fun. Bruno, you're on the national blind, the Canadian National Blind Hockey Team, right? Tell me about that and what it means to represent your country on the Blind Hockey Team.
2: Yeah, that's me very uh, impressed because we wait so much time to have this compete high level because that's the dream of all kids to play hockey on a big level but when you talk about blind hockey you say okay it's no level and just to play fun that's fun but for me it's always compete and i want to be more and more and now we have the blind hockey national team yep. i make the team but it's complicated with goalball to have both teams sure. so i cancel this year's but I'm going to retire one day in goal ball and go for national team. Go for the national, team national team. Now, yeah. it, it's not officially. With that team in Paralympic. Yeah, exactly. it,
0: it's yeah. not officially recognized yet you know, in Paralympic, right?
1: Uh, blind hockey is well organized in the US. So um, there is a Canadian national team, of which Bruno and I are both part of. We, we beat the US last year in Pittsburgh. We're playing them this fall in Ottawa. There starts to be programs of blind hockey in Russia, in Finland and UK, United Kingdom. Uh, To become Paralympic, you need eventually to have different stage, we will need to have a world championship and so on. Eventually we'll need to have eight countries participating to actually, uh, but really Finland, Russia, UK, then you just had Sweden, uh, Czech Republic, a couple of other, I would say, um, natural hockey countries. But you would be surprised. There's interest in Australia. Yeah, Australians. China, Australians
0: can't play hockey, whether they're, whether they're China, blind or or they can see anyway. Well, right?
1: if you have 20 or 30, uh, you know, physically apt, blind or partially sighted people who are ready to go at it, you got a team.
0: The team started 40 years ago, right? Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the history of Les
1: Well, the eboot started because there, there, there was a, um, the, the the schooling of people with visual impairment uh, before integration in the school system was what they, they, they were school for the blinds, right? So uh, there was a, a, there's a school um, in in um, Jacques-Wallet School in Longueuil on the South Shore, and people were also going to uh, Institut Nazareth. And there they were playing. They were blind kids in their teens, and they were playing a hockey with a with a with a, with a can, uh, you know, like a juice can, on the on mm-hmm. the ice. But then they all become adults and they scattered, and they didn't see each other. And then one of the guys, Jacques Caron, uh, had the idea of creating a team. So this way, even though after after their school years, they were all uh, in all kind of walk of life, they would still be meeting at least once a week and mm-hmm. play hockey like they used to. With a at, at that point it was simply a 48 ounce you know tomato juice can, but Amazing. Jacques Caron for 20 odd years carried the carried the EBU idea on his back, and eventually retired. Gilles Valette, the current president, picked it up about 15 years ago, and uh, now we've got kids who are 15, 16. Uh, were nice. uh, Most of the team now wasn't born when the Ibu started. <laughs>
0: What's it like to watch a 15-year-old, a visually impaired 15-year-old kid step on the It's beautiful.
1: Because for, actually, there's kids who've been waiting to be big enough to play with us. There's a kid here (laughs) uh, who's now 16, and he told his parent when he was 10 that he wanted to join the Ibu one day, which which, that's wonderful. But talking to their parents, we realize how much it changes their perspective. They become more confident. They're ready to accept challenges. Their grade in school are improving. Their self confidence, and now they can go back to the class in school and tell their regular sighted buddies, "I played hockey too this weekend," you know, or "I've been to a tournament because there's tournaments all over in North America for recreational blind hockey." So they, they become part of the gang right They're, They are they are like any other kid. You know, they want to play hockey. They can play hockey, and for them, it's it's a whole lot of
2: a whole difference.
0: Bruno, I know we've seen a lot of evolution in the game, uh, in blind hockey, what, what are we still missing? What would you like to see still happen?
2: Uh, it's Still missing, um, more people know about blind hockey. We, we still need it because we need to search some new player and they need to know right away it exists. And they know it, they can come. So
1: yeah, I mean, there, there, there's two ways of looking at it. You got blind people that might wish to play hockey and you got hockey players who have become blind, but one way or the other, we, we would like to people that to just to get to know it exists. So that way they will try it and they don't need to you know, adopt it. They might just try it once and say, it's not for me, but it is important to have sufficient growth so that you can have a base and have a recreational level and then you can start to segment and and, and now the the sports grew uh, exponentially in the last six years there was no blind hockey in the usa six years ago now there's 12 teams and over 300 registered players so it it, the the total amount of possible players probably in the you know over a thousand in north america easily and then you got all these you no know, hockey country is waiting for us.
0: I have to ask you the same question that I ask all my guests on this podcast. Do you think that we've come more inclusive as a society these days?
1: A little bit, but no, it's still a, 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 quite a mountain to climb. We, we did a few steps, but not totally. I'll, I'll tell you an example of not inclusiveness. Uh, when people are, are standing at the metro station conducting polls, they never stop me because I've got a white cane. And sometimes I stand just beside them as they're quizzing all other people. You know, you'd like to sign this petition against whatever. And they never ask me. And once I, I ask a, a young lady, I say, why are you asking me? Uh, While well, you're blind, so I don't have an opinion. I didn't know if you could sign your name. Hmm. Holy, whoa. She's 20 and she doesn't know if someone who's blind can sign his name. So there's still a whole lot of education to be made.
0: Bruno, I know we're talking about hockey, but I really want to plug uh, the other sport that you play that I've never heard of before I stepped into this room uh, 10 minutes ago. Goalball. It's a sport. It's for blind
2: people. It exists after the second world. It's for rehabilitation, and it's developed for a Paralympic sport. It's a three-on-three on the volleyball court. The goal is nine meters large with a ball with bells. It's always with noise. We okay, play yeah, with yeah. a visual impaired and we fall blind because everybody have different level of yeah. vision so the three guys on the court have the high shade we see nothing and it's a confrontation a three on three for two period of 12 minutes and we try to throw like a bowling with very much power the ball is go like uh, 60 to 70 km per hour really and yeah. it's a high ball line it's 6 meter to the goal so we can run with the ball and the ball need to release your hands before the six meter and the balls go the other side and the three guys try to block the ball and if it's oh, uh, yeah. tip over and go in the net or uh, just go in the net. And I've been to goalball games watching Bruno play and
1: the funny thing about goalball if you go there is the crowd needs to remain silent. Because you have to hear the ball because the players need to hear the ball and communicate, you know, by by knowing where the ball is. So hang on, isn't that the same with with hockey too? Uh, Like if you were to play in a large crowd, would you not be able to just the skates on the ice and the sticks, it's it's noisy. But still we have to yell and, and, and figure out what's going on, I agree. But a gold ball game is it's almost like going to a temple. And then when when the period is over and, you, and your
2: home team is winning, then you then cheer. everyone cheers. And then sh- Mark sh- have a good point. Maybe we need to add that in line hockey. Okay, to the crowd need to be quiet. Exactly yeah, the during right. the game, but when they score, it's the crowds explode. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. That's, uh, that's I want to
0: ask you about the puck actually because the the puck has evolved as well, and I know there's a Montreal company that's working on some new technology. Too, well, right? we would
1: like eventually to. We're working on developing an electronic beeping puck, a puck that will make noise in the air or even if it's idle on the ice because because right now the, 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 the Olo metal casing with bearings doesn't do that. So we're working on it. It seems simple as a concept, but to, to, to put together something which the right size, the right weight, the right friction on the ice, because that determines speed, uh, that sustains a lot of shocks, humidity, and cold temperature. Uh, and then you involve electronics, Well, uh, electronics yeah, don't, yeah, don't yeah, yeah. mesh really yeah. well with these characteristics, right? So it is it is harder to do than than it seems to be to to be conceived uh, conceptualized. But uh, yes, we're working on it.
0: Guys, I want to thank you so much. I know you guys are getting ready to go back into yep. the room and get dressed and start your game. Yep. So go, Hibu, go.
2: Yep, yep, go.
0: Nope. And uh, really, really learned a lot. And thank you. Uh, really, really inspiring. Thanks so much for talking to me. Thank you, Mark. Have thank a you, good Mark. game, Francois. Yeah, thank you. All right. Our thanks to Marathon Suflaki for powering this podcast. Have a great game, guys. Thank you. You've been listening to the Inspiration News Podcast with Mark Bergman. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast and the English Montreal School Board Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play,